Hello and welcome back to the 5 Minute Philosophy podcast. For the 14th episode of the 25 Days of 5 Minute Philosophy series, I thought I would talk a bit about the portrayal of free will in Hamlet. Niche. (laughs) Um, We spoke about free will in a previous episode, so check that out if you haven't already. But now let's apply that knowledge to Shakespeare's most quoted play, Hamlet. Now you might be thinking, wow, what a niche subject, how intellectual. Well, I hate to break it to you, friends. The only reason why I'm talking about this is because I'm currently revising for my A-level marks. So the portrayal of free will in Hamlet is a perfect crossover for my philosophy and English literature revision. Nevertheless, I hope you enjoy. So during the Elizabethan era, um, 1558 to 1603, uh, when Hamlet was written, the public opinion was very much one of the belief in fate and the deterministic nature of the universe. These views were often symbolised by a wheel of fortune, which held the lives of all the people and ultimately decided their position in life. A beggar or a king, your fate was simply determined by the spin of a wheel. This idea is particularly fascinating when incorporated in theatrical tragedies such as Hamlet, as it allowed the protagonists to be portrayed as victims of their own destinies, increasing the dramatic impact of their eventual downfall. In Hamlet particularly, the idea of free will and fate is discussed in many ways, some more overtly than others. However, in particular, it's associated with the characters of Hamlet and Ophelia, two youths destined to suffer. Um, And in the words of the character himself, they are both shaped by a divinity. The idea of free will is hinted at throughout the play and is greatly contrasted with the major themes of duty and fate, about which the characters also talk of a great deal. So I hold my duty as I hold my soul. Uh, Polonius, I think that was. Throughout the play, Hamlet feels constrained and trapped by his duty to seek revenge for his father's murder. He explains how imminent and pressing this fate is to him, even before his knowledge of the circumstances of his father's death, which was murder, exclaiming that his fate cries out and makes each petty archer in his body as hardy as the Nemean lion's nerve. This elaborate simile, English literature nerd alert, um, emphasises just how much his future lies within the hands of his father's ghost, suggesting that he believes that once he hears what his father has to say, his fate will be sealed forever. This concept of logical fatalism, which states that we have no power over the events that will eventually affect us when they arrive from the future to the present, was greatly supported by Greek philosopher Aristotle, our fave guy, and is discussed in chapter 9 of his De Interpretatione. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is largely due to his belief that the future is fixed, hence meaning that we have no power over our future actions. He argues that everything that happens does so purely because of necessity, because it must happen. Hamlet saying that his fate cries out, then, may show that he acknowledges his future actions and his fate to be actively real and something that he has no freedom to change. We can consider free will, or the lack thereof, as a result of of an overly limiting society, here portrayed in particular through the characters of Hamlet and Ophelia. Firstly, one could argue that Hamlet's freedom of action is greatly reduced by his role in society as the Prince of Denmark, as highlighted by Laertes when dissuading Ophelia of believing Hamlet's confessions of love towards her. He warns Ophelia that Hamlet's will is not his own, for he is subject to his birth. This warning, as well as the establishing the as well as establishing the relationship dynamic between Laertes and Ophelia, 
gives the audience an insight into Hamlet's situation in terms of the political restrictions of his personal affairs. This idea, it could be argued, relates to the social contract theory uh, discussed mostly by Jean-Jacques Rousseau in his book, oh it's in French, Du contrat social au principe de droit politique, <laughs> published in 1762. Nice. This argues that members of a society, whether knowingly or unknowingly, have given consent to sacrifice some of their freedoms to the state in exchange for their overall protection in society. This can be seen, for example, in our current legal system. We sacrifice our individual individual liberty to, say, challenge another to a public duel to the death in order to settle a dispute, and instead must hand the issue over to the correct authorities. Although we may not immediately not immediately want to, we surrender some of our freedoms as the greatest good is generally achieved when disputes are settled justly by the state instead of by individuals in whichever manner they see fit. Similarly, Hamlet has, although unknowingly and without his consent, sacrificed his freedom of marital power, for example, by being part of the royal family of Denmark, uh, and therefore his will is not his own in this sense. Supposedly, Ophelia was considered too common for marriage into the royal family, so the state, in this context, the king, must forbid it for the greater good of the country. Hence, Hamlet's free will is shown to be reduced by his role and place in society. Furthermore, (laughs) Ophelia's free will can also be considered to be lessened through her portrayal through the play. This time not by her role in society, but by her gender. A feminist reading of the play would largely argue that Ophelia is greatly constricted in the play and is held back immensely by being a woman in a patriarchal society. She is even said to be incapable of her own distress and death. Ophelia herself acknowledges this when she tells her brother Laertes that what he has advised her is in her, in her memory locked and Laertes himself shall keep the key of it. This highlights the power dynamic between men and women in the Elizabethan era, and although Shakespeare may not have been acutely aware of it at the time, this imagery of Ophelia's own mind being governed by her brother greatly mirrors how women were treated in this era. So, there you have it. Maybe Shakespeare was a bit ahead of his time in regarding the uh, regarding the non-existence of free will, but who knows. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I will be back tomorrow, uh, of course, so see you then. Bye for now.